Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Blog Talk Radio. Tonight we will go back in time to seasons past, when 22 men graced the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score, which would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight, we'll explore the world of gridiron greats. Welcome to Gridiron Greats Football History yeah. on the Gridiron Greats Publisher and Broadcasting Network, in conjunction with Quick Enterprises. We're live from the Connecticut home of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'm Bob Slick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine. I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats is the only publication in America which focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We'll cover 140-plus years of football history and memorabilia, and you can find us on the web at gridirongreatsmagazine.com. We're sponsored in part by MSV Sports Cards. Check out their website for one of the largest selections of football cards and memorabilia on the web at msvsportscards.com. And we're also sponsored in part by BST Auctions. Check out their website at bstauctions.com. It is at this time, I'd like to introduce my co-host, the senior contributing writer to Gridiron Greats Magazine, a football memorabilia historian, specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Larger. He hails. From Portland, Oregon, Mr. Joe Squire. Joe, welcome to the show tonight. Ah, I'm pumped up for this show, Captain. I love it. we got a great guest lined up. And just the intro, the intro you give gives me goosebumps all the time. (laughs) All things football emanate from Wallingford, Connecticut. All things football. It's the epicenter of football knowledge. Wallingford, Connecticut. Put it on the map. And you got to remember like this. My new, my new motto is football, 24-7-365. It doesn't end. There it is. It doesn't yeah. end. i got a couple, couple quick announcements before we get into what we're going to talk about before our guests. Uh, first, I got an update on uh, Gridiron Greats Magazine contributing writer, uh, Tex Noel. Tex, unfortunately, suffered a stroke a while back. Uh, I talked briefly to his wife, Melody, uh, a few weeks back. She said Texas recuperating in rehab. He is doing somewhat better. However, he's got a long road ahead of him in recovery. Uh, I guess he's starting to be able to move some of his, uh, has more motor coordination on his left side. So uh, if anyone needs any info on Tex, just drop me an email through the website. I'll give you uh, uh, some more information on where he's actually located right now. And uh, and you can uh, – I do have a phone number for him in the rehab center also. Second, uh, I'd like to shout out 
public shout out to Ryan McKillops for the nice package he sent me in the mail I received today. He sent me a uh, Packers book, and he also sent me a uh, DVD on Jimmy Brown that was uh, issued a couple of years back. Looks like an interesting read, and I want to thank Ryan for it. Now, Brian, we're ready. We're ready, Brian's ready to talk football. Ryan, uh, I, I wanted to interject that Ryan's classy. Ryan, probably about two years ago, was just like, uh, hey, what's your address? And uh, most of the yep. time when men ask me what my address is, you know, I have some trepidations, but, you know, I know Ryan. So, uh, you know, he sent me off a really cool uh, autographed Red Grange photo uh, that hangs in my basement right now. Uh, just very classy. Uh, that's what I love about this hobby. It is, it is the spirit of camaraderie among collectors and friends in which we exchange items in free will. Free will. Those are football memorabilia collectors. It really describes them well, in my opinion. But we're going to talk about something that I think both of us both like and dislike. And that is a card which was issued in 1888 and has a subcategory number of N162. And I think our... Most of our listeners would know what that card is. And, Joe, I want you to give a little background, if you could, on the 1888 N162 card. Uh, The Beecher. And you and I were talking a little bit offline about this. Uh, You know, Bob and I kick around various topics, and uh, then we just kind of, you know, it's Bob's show. I'm along for the ride, and, you know, Bob decides on what topics we're going to do. This week, Bob was like, uh, let's talk about the Beecher card. And I replied to him, like, I hate that card. And hate (laughs) is a strong word that I reserve for, uh, you know, things that are out of my control. But I'm like, I do not like that card. Uh, You know, it's, to me, I don't know. It's, uh, to me, it's just one of those things. He's a football player. Harry Beecher, he was the captain of the Yale football team. Uh, High score, I mean, Football was around back then, but, you know, the guy is holding a watermelon, you know, in the card. Uh, it's not a football. Right. It's not the, right. not the game we know as it is now. It, it'd be like us throwing up some lacrosse, you know, or you know, or some rugby card or something like that and saying, hey, it's a football card. Uh, I personally don't collect it. And to me, the litmus about how, you know, how widely accepted a card is, is how widely popular and how widely collected it is. Uh you know, you don't see a lot of people clamoring out to grab a Beecher card. A lot of people don't include it as a must-have in their set. Uh, I don't know. I just uh, – it's one of those things. Uh, football, was it football back then? Yes. But there were probably four teams. You know, Yale, Harvard, Princeton. You know, it's the predecessor to the Mayo set. I don't know. I just uh, – I'm not a fan of it. Captain? I referred to my notes real quick when uh, we, we decided on what we were going to talk about. And i got a few of my notes in front of me right now. And these, these are pretty old. They date back to 1987, where I was at a couple of shows, uh, a, a larger show down in um, the old Philadelphia show, Valley Forge, many, many years ago. And uh-huh. a, couple of dealers, a couple of dealers actually said, were saying to me, you know, this is the first football card. And I said, well, to me, it looks like a rugby card more than anything else, yada, 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 Same, echoing some of the sentiments that you had. And I don't have, and I did not write down what the prices were at the time in 87 for the Beecher card. Now, I'm going to move forward to my notes in 1990. I'm at a local show here, which had a lot of New York dealers, the old Mulford show, many, many years ago, the Knights of Columbus. Yeah here in Mulford, Connecticut. And uh, New York dealer had, phone, it. He had, it in, he had it in pretty worn condition. And his asking price, according to my notes, was $150, $150 but he, wanted, he, would get, he would take $125 from me for it. And I said, I, I really don't like the card. And, and he kept going on and on, according to my notes, that this is the first football card. So as as time went on, as football cards caught more and more on fire, what you had was now a conditioned response to what is the actual first football card ever printed. So everybody now says it's 
It's the Beecher curve. And, you know, I, I question it in a way, and I, and I remember back in the mid-'90s, a couple of interviews I, I had for trade publication, you know, they were going on and on about the Beecher card. And I said, well, I'm, I'm not overly sure that's the first actual football card. And even when you look at the, the 1894 Mayos, you, you, you got to say this. It, the game was definitely not the game that we, we followed, yep. you know, in the yep. 1920s or the 1930s from the 1880s and the 1890s. The Mayo cards I can handle because they were Ivy League cards, number one, and they were actually playing a form of football. You know, in Beecher's, yep. Beecher's condition, or Beecher's uh, card, and given the conditions he was playing under, we were looking at more of a rugby type of game than anything else. So totally. what's, the facet, what's the fascination about the card? Okay, it's, it's been given the providence that it is the actual first football card, according to whom I, I still question that. And B, you know, it is a relatively rare card, but again, there to me, there's not that great of a demand for it. And I do exactly. agree with and you that one card I've never really chased over the years. And I, I yep. was staring a, a gift in my face way back when, you know, almost 30 <laughs> years ago. I, I could have bought a beater for 125 bucks, but I didn't think it was worth it. So uh, yep. it's, an, it's an interesting, interesting card. Go ahead. Uh, ditto. I took the liberty of doing a little bit of homework. Uh, and, and if you flip this card over, you know, what's the back say? And the back says football. Because it's, uh, you know, the N162 set is a set comprised of, you know, baseball, you know, basketball, or I, I forget Mark. what the sports were. But it lists football on the back. So they called it football, Mark. but like you said, it's a variation of, you know, football. A, 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 you know, variation of football that doesn't resemble, you know, football as we know today. Uh, and if you blow the card up below, you know, on the bottom of the card, it says Beecher, captain of Yale football team, old judge and gypsy queen cigarette. So captain of Yale football team, but he's holding a watermelon. Uh, it, it, it's, it, it's not a football. You probably didn't throw it, you know, and they probably ran and, you know, uh, you know, I, there's one up for sale right now in uh, Love of the Game auctions, our friend Al Crisopoli. And I just I looked at his description of it. You know, just happened to be on there bidding on some stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. captain of the Yale football team, distant relative of Harry Beecher Stowe, which I didn't know. Nice job, Al. Always mm-hmm. doing good with mm-hmm. his, uh, his, his data. Uh, Yale was undefeated in 1887. Beecher played quarterback, halfback, occasionally kicker. Uh, I'm sure they didn't call it a quarterback back then. I'm, right. You know, right. who knows what they called it. He scored 66 touchdowns in his college career, a long-standing record. First player to appear on a football card. So, apparently, the majority of people call this the first football card set, or first football card, you know, that appears in a set. I I take a lot of it as, you know, how does the community react to it? Uh, Is this a must-have to a football collector? If, if you're collecting sets, if, if you're a completionist, is this a card that you must have in order to complete your football run? And my answer right. was always right. unequivocally. <clears throat> yeah. I didn't need to and, have it, and, and I still don't need to have it. You know, I, again, going, again, going through my notes and seeing the prices and the variations on it over the years and see it really escalate in price over the last 10 years in yeah. graded form in a way that's, as, as we always say, that's excellent for the hobby. And at the same time, being excellent in the hobby, it is a norm in the hobby that we say that that is the first football card because it actually says it. And in my opinion, it really never did anything for me 30 years ago, and it's still not doing anything for me today. I don't discourage anyone from wanting to collect it or buy it, and I don't discourage anyone who believes that is the actual football card. Because one could argue yep. some of the real early 1880 postcards of Yale players that are very obscure and are out there could be considered a card also. But they are a postcard rather than an actual, uh, you know, card in the card sense of the sizing of it hmm. that we see and we're more more aware of today. So huh. I, I think it's, a, it's, it's an interesting argument on both sides. Uh, I well, 
I it, it was interesting to look back at my notes at it too at the same time, and it's it's also interesting that I did pass it up at the time because I it just never did anything for me. And looking, <laughs> I've, I've looked at quite a few over the years in person. Uh, I know at a couple of nationals I've seen them over the years, and it still doesn't do anything for me. But I could pick up a uh, a Mayo, and uh, that's it for me. Yep. You know what I mean? But, and uh, and you're absolutely it. right. And I was just going to say. I, I think everybody agrees the Mayo set is the first football card set. Uh, but there's a lot of people who are like, well, it's college. Uh, I only collect, you know, professional. Right, right, uh, right. So right. You, you've got a, a whole other subset of people who are like, I don't collect Mayo because it's a college set. I only collect right, football. Right, So the, right. there's a lot of people who are like, no, the 1935 Chickle is the first card set, you know, the, the, the first Correct. mainstream card set, which – that, that's that's a that's a that's a lifetime. That's a you know that's forty years from the Mayo set to the Chickle set, and you've got a couple things well, sprinkled get, in between. You know, I get the argument too. The you know not until nineteen forty eight when Bowman came out with her set. That's the actual first set because uh, it was you know after World War Two yada 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 all that, those arguments. And I don't buy that argument either. So it's it's no. it's an interesting interesting argument on both sides of the coin. All right, at this time. Okay. I'd like to introduce our special guest. He is the authority on the American <laughs> football and its memorabilia. <laughs> and he was on our podcast back seven years ago in 2011. And he was also our super collector feature in Gridiron Greats issue number 32. He has one of the most comprehensive and complete American Football League autographed football card collections in the country. He also has his own website, TalesFromTheAmericanFootballLeague.com. I would like to introduce and welcome the American Football League guru, the one and only Mr. Todd Tobias, to our show tonight. Todd, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. How are you doing? We're good. Doing good. We're good. Yeah? Good to have you on the show, Toddly. (laughs) Thank you for the invite, Joe. Todd, I'm going to start off immediately with a story you've told many, many times in the past, but I want to refresh our audience for our new listeners who didn't hear you back seven years ago. Please tell our audience how you got into collecting American Football League items. Uh, well, I had, <clears throat> I had been a collector for years and years and years prior to this. I had got my first box of bubblegum cards when I was five years old, um, but I – it was kind of a, a confluence of, of different things that uh, led to this. And um, one being a collector, first of all. Uh, secondly, I was, I was working for the sports museum here in San Diego uh, at the time. I was also in graduate school uh, looking at uh, things to do, subjects, potential subjects to write about for my master's thesis. And lastly, I was interning uh, for the then San Diego Chargers, um, working in their team photo archives. And I eventually narrowed my uh, thesis subject down to writing about Sid Gilman and his time with the Chargers. And learning about Sid, interviewing Sid, interviewing his ball players and, and a handful of opponents uh, really got me interested in the old AFL. And after the thesis was complete and I had finished grad school, I started working on a book project. Um, that book eventually came out you know, a few years later. It was called Charging Through the AFL. Uh, and that just really cemented my interest in the old AFL. It was, uh, you know, and I love the, the on-the-field stories. But yeah. just as much, I love a lot of the interesting off-the-field stuff as well. Um, so, of course, you know, if you've, got, if you've got collecting in your blood, as soon as you get interested in something, you start to figure out what there is available to collect from it. Absolutely. And uh, that's, where, that's where I got into it. I could have told that story for you, Todd. I've, I've heard it so many times, and I love it. I'm, I'm sure you know my story, too. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm familiar. I'm familiar. So 
couple years ago, I'm down in San Diego scuba diving, and you and I grabbed dinner. And uh, yep. as it always does, it evolves into the conversation, uh, who would win a death cage match, Steve Largent or Lance Allworth? And I presented <laughs> argument A, where I said, just based it off nicknames alone, Lance Allworth, Bambi. Steve Largent, mm-hmm. Mr. Touchdown was his nickname. I just made that up, was but it? that's how nicknames get started. Yeah, I was, no, I was I just, I just say, made where did that come from? <laughs> I, just, I just made it up. So who wins? Uh, who wins that battle? Bambi or uh, Mr. Largent? Oh, gosh. Well, wow. you got to figure, Lance is almost 80 years old now, so he's a little bit slower than he used to be. Let's say in their prime. Let's take them both, let's take them both in their prime. Well, you, know, um, you watch you watch old films of Allworths running some patterns and catching the ball. I mean, it was so flawless. He he was just so yeah. smooth on the Reminds field. me of Hudson. It was just incredible, incredible to watch. Reminded me of Don Hudson a lot, Lance Allworth does. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Lance is, uh, he was, he was something to watch. He, um, you know, and the, and the funny thing, the thing that people don't, maybe take into consideration as much with Lance is that he was tough too. I mean, he's, you know, good looking yeah. guy, nicknamed Bambi playing receiver, all that good stuff. But, um, he didn't mind putting his nose in there either. And, uh, that was, that was the main reason actually that, uh, Tom Landry traded for him in Dallas was because he knew that mm-hmm. Lance would block and he did. Um, but Lance, Lance has told me a couple stories about, uh, mixing it up with a few of the, a few of the AFL's, great defenders as well and uh he didn't shy away yep there's a very famous you know of you know steve largent getting leveled by some safety after you know that dave keg threw an interception and then three games later largent leveled him you know that other that defender. <laughs> i forget the defender's name but yeah we, 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 we picked our childhood heroes well so all right back to, I, just, I like to go off script and surprise people everyone's all the question my question to you I, I know you sold off a lot of your collection a couple of years ago, and, and so did I. We right. both kind of did it at the same time. We we kind of hit the mm-hmm. top of the mountain. We looked around, and we decided to come down. Uh, mm-hmm. So, w- w- what adi- what additions uh, what additions have you added to your collection since uh, you know your sell off a couple of years ago? You know, uh, I've I've still been actively collecting. Uh, I will say that I have not really collected memorabilia like I used to. Um, you know the the my main collection uh has been autographed AFL trading cards totally. trying to put together yeah. autographed completely autographed sets and um so you know while I do have one display case sitting next to my desk that's that's full of you know trinkets and things like that that are AFL related um I've got four binders full of signed cards and and a couple of the binders cover you know the the standard issue sets and uh, I've got another binder that's got uh, certain player collections and lastly a binder that's kind of a catch-all it's got a bunch of the signed 64 tops team cards and 68 tops team tests and all kinds of random stuff um, so really signed AFL cards is, is what I've hung on to and what yeah. I've continued working on so um, yeah, and I remember the first time I met you, like uh, seven, eight years ago, me and Anthony went down there. We had lunch with you, uh, mm-hmm. it, you know, and you showed up with your binders of football, of autographed football cards. And I was just, I was stunned how, <laughs> you know, how hard that is. I, I don't collect autographs. I mean, I have them, but mm-hmm. I was just stunned how organized you were. You're one of the first people mm-hmm. I'd met who was kind of like me. You know, you're, I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, this guy's OCD organized. Oh, He's, God, you know, I don't I, know. I, I dug it. I don't know how to. No, take you're good. That, you're, you're, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you and I text. Well, you you know, and I text back and forth so often about little stuff that it's it's almost comical. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, you know, I nice. um, <laughs> I think that I enjoy the the process of collecting mm-hmm. as much as I do the actual collection. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I am I am one that that takes pleasure in building want lists and researching items and, and um, seeing what's available. Um, you know, I, I also probably weekly 
come up with different ideas of some brand new thing to collect. And then I, I, you know, spend some time, I might build a list and uh, research it and all these different things only to finally decide, well, I'm not going to do that. Um, but I just, I, I like being around this stuff and, um, yeah. and it, it helps me to be organized. Uh, you know, so uh, you I, know, I, I, think, uh, I think, I think one thing that a lot of collectors um, in a lot of cases fail to organize their collections and they mm-hmm. don't, they don't realize that by organizing it, you can enjoy it so, so much more than just having mm-hmm. a scattering of stuff every which way and saying, sure. okay, this is my collection, but I, I can't pull anything out for you because I don't know where it is type of thing. So I, right. I think that's, that's true. A true part of collecting is organizing a collection, making it displayable, even if it's cards, you have them nicely put in a binder in nine pocket mm-hmm. sheets or eight pocket sheets or whatever, so you can actually look at them and pull at them and look at them. And I know you've mentioned in the past, you enjoy pulling out the binders and just looking at them. And yeah. That's not oh, very much so. collecting. That's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fun I, of collecting. You know, I, I, pull out my, you know, I pull out binders, you know, two or three times a week anyway and just kind of flip through things and, and um, you know, take a look at, at – you know, the holes that I've got in my, in my sets and, and for some things that aren't necessarily sets, what other cards I could realistically uh, anticipate coming across, you know, that are in signed form. And, you know, it's, it's, it's completely geek based stuff, you know, but um, I think if you're a collector that, that is into it, you know, enough to, let's say, have a podcast about football collecting or something <laughs> along those lines. Um, you get it. You know, you understand. <laughs> Touche. <That's true. laughs> now, Todd, tell us a little uh, like, bit about your campaign to get uh, former AFL chief great Johnny Robinson in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And the second half uh, of that yeah. question Second half of the question, in your opinion, what other players from the AFL should be in the uh, the Canton, Canton Pro Football Hall of Fame and are not at this time? Okay. Well, you know, for the longest time, uh, Johnny Robinson and Jerry Kramer were kind of considered to be the, the two, uh, two guys that are – most deserved of Hall of Fame induction that had yet to be inducted. And, and we all know at this point that Jerry Kramer is going to be a, a member of the class of 2018. Um, yep. That left, that left Johnny Robinson. Um, I happen to be a big Johnny Robinson fan, not only because uh, of what he has accomplished on the field, but also because of, the uh, friend that he is to hobbyists, really. I mean, Johnny is a, he's a fantastic person who signs cards very willingly through the mail. And for probably 10 years now, he and I have, have, uh, you know, sent letters back and forth to each other and he's signed cards for me and done all kinds of different things. And, um, you know, I, I got to the point where I was thinking, you know, Johnny's, he's pushing 80 years old and, and, uh, he really, really deserves this honor. And, and I'll be honest, one of the things that I, that I really dislike um, about recent Hall of Fame situations and inductee classes is guys that have gotten in who have been very, very deserving, but who have been inducted a year or let's say two years after they passed away. Um, right. yeah. So right. they weren't around to right. enjoy the honor. And right. Right. honestly, I, I don't want to see that happen to Johnny Robinson. Um, mm-hmm. So you mentioned I have a I have a website, TalesFromTheAmericanFootballLeague.com, and I was I was actually texting back and forth with Johnny's stepson. Uh, he's helped me get have Johnny sign some of some of my cards particular ways, and uh, it was actually the day of the Super Bowl, and we were texting back and forth and and talking about how Johnny really deserves to be in, and I said, well, you know, why don't we I've got this website. Why don't we try a campaign? I'll, you know, I'll put a petition on there and see what we can do. He said he thought that was a neat idea. So uh, I went ahead and, and had a page designed. I'm not technically gifted enough to do that stuff myself, but I uh, had a, a petition put on the page. And uh, I've been systematically, systematically sending it out 
all over the place and getting in contact mm-hmm. with people with uh, LSU, where Johnny went to college, uh, people at the Kansas City Star, um, you know, the, the paper that covers the, the Chiefs, uh, trying mm-hmm. to break through to the Chiefs themselves. That's a little more challenging. Uh, but really just getting the word out there. Um, I do not know how many signatures I technically need. Uh, this is not the kind of thing that uh, if you hit a certain number, then he's automatically inducted. It's just kind of a the type of thing where you want to show how much support there is for an individual. And uh, I have spoken with two members of the Hall of Fame Senior Committee who have agreed to take the results of this petition and present them at their voting meeting in August. So I mm-hmm. have until July 31st to get as many signatures as I can on this, on this petition. How are so, the, how are the seniors, uh, how are the seniors, you know, chosen, I guess, because they get two seniors per year and then they have mm-hmm. to have a certain percentage of votes to get processed. And who picks the senior, uh, you know, app, you know, eligibles? So there, there is a committee of about a dozen guys, give or take, that uh, they are the senior committee, and they discuss a whole, a whole host of, of former players. Um, Johnny is obviously one of them, uh, and they go, through, they go through this process every year, and um, I forget what the exact definition is of a senior nominee. I think it's something like 15 years out of the league or, or, or yeah, something yeah, along no. those lines. It's, it's, but it's 15 uh, years whatever out. it is, Johnny, Johnny certainly qualifies. Um, and then they ultimately boil down their selections to two for a year. And then those two names are put forward as the senior committee selections. Now yeah. those Two are later voted on by the by the voting committee as a whole, cool. and so yeah. you know, that's why you know at times we've had maybe only one of the the senior inductees get in yeah. or or not. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. that's the general process. A, I, I know on the Hall of Fame side, you know once they're selected, you know they start off with what is it forty, and then they whittle it down to you know to like you know ten or fifteen. But at mm-hmm. some point, there's an advocate comes and speaks mm-hmm. to the Hall of Fame committee to say, you know, because you know there's stories about the you know the advocate for Walter Payton, who stood up and mm-hmm. said, "Ladies and gentlemen, Walter Payton," and then <laughs> sat back down. You know, I mean, it's uh-huh. just some people who it's like, oh, that yeah, the guy's in. Is, is there right. an well, advocate that can go speak before the senior committee? You know, I I I don't know that there is. They've got they've had guys that were. Um, there are former players that have uh, given their thoughts on a lot of these players, but I don't, I don't believe there's ever been anybody that's advocated for a single, a single person. Uh, I do know that some of the, some of the voting, uh, some of the selectors are indeed high on Johnny. They, they feel that he is deserving, but you know, for whatever reason, whether it's uh, you know, other guys weren't, were more deserving or, or they yeah. could, couldn't sway the other voters, or whatever the situation. Uh, he's not been inducted yet. So um, has, has has he ever made it to the final two? No, no, he has not. I, but uh, you know, the, one of the oh, things that I did for this petition was interviewed or or asked a number of Johnny's opponents essentially uh, uh, for input, you know, for quotes. So if you go to this if you go to this page on my website the petition page you'll see quotes from Lance Allworth from Don Maynard from um you know Bobby Bell who was one of his teammates from Tom Flores uh all about uh, all about Johnny and and their thoughts about his worthiness for induction and and I got to tell you every one of them when I contacted them and spoke with them they said oh without question Without question, Johnny Robinson belongs in the Hall of Fame. So, um, yeah, <laughs> when you've got when you've got guys that uh, you know, I'm looking at the list right now. Uh, Hank Stram, who I I did not interview, obviously Hank passed away in 2005, but was Johnny's head coach. The guys that I did speak with, uh, Lance Allworth, Hall of Famer, Clem Daniels, AFL career leading rusher, Bobby Bell, Hall of Famer, and Johnny's teammate. Tom Flores, 
two-time Super Bowl winning head coach, Don Maynard, wide receiver, another wide receiver, and, and member of the Hall of Fame. These are guys that know football, you know, and these are guys that, that have, uh, have touched football and changed football at the highest levels. And if each one of them to a man says that there isn't even any question that Johnny Robinson belongs in the Hall of Fame, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that suggestion pretty highly. Yeah, no kidding. Do you just call Tom Flores on his personal cell phone, or uh, I you know, do you just him. go knock on his front door? You text him. I text you know him. Tom Flores yeah. cell phone? Mr. <laughs> AFL, Todd Tobias, everyone. <laughs> the the other thing with, okay. with the whole the whole selection process with the senior committee, it's very difficult. Um, and looking at Kramer's problem of trying to get get in which to me was just political more than anything else. I mean, I, I, it still mm-hmm. goes back to me going back to his writing instant replay. And for mm-hmm. whatever reason, it was, it was literally blacklisted for all those years. His son mm-hmm. took, it on, took it upon himself with a similar campaign to get him. And I know I've written numerous letters to the committee for Kramer, and I am going to pen a letter for Robinson as GG owner and editor. And, Wonderful. And, Thank and you, say, You know, it, it, the problem is you've got that kind of a talent not in the Hall of Fame. And to me, you got, unfortunately, lately, a lot of mediocre current players getting in. And it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's inherently wrong. And I really don't believe some of these guys on this committee, on these voting committees, not so much on the senior committee, but on the regular committee, they don't know the history of the game. They really don't mm-hmm. know a lot of these players in any way, shape, or form. And it's very mm-hmm. problematic. It's very problematic. Mm-hmm. Now, besides yeah, that, you know, I, I, I agree with you, Bob. I think that, um, I think that these groups, uh, you know, there should be some kind of uh, – and granted, I have not been in the rooms. So I'm not a voting member, so I, I can't say exactly how things go. But uh, who better than the Pro Football Hall of Fame yep. to yep. – present an unbiased case for each of the people that are being uh, nominated, Except, you know, who, right. better, uh, yeah, who, who, right. who better than the hall of fame to educate the voters? Um, you know, I, I think that that's a, that's a, a pretty simple step and, and one that should be, you know, a slam dunk. Um, and honestly, it's one that I've even I've even thrown my name in the hat for that I'd said that I would volunteer to do that. Um, right, but right, right. you know, it, it hasn't it hasn't happened obviously, and and I don't know. I mean, you're right these these voters are getting younger and and younger, and um, you know we're soon going to be at a point where many of these guys weren't even alive when a lot of the AFL players yeah, were. Right. Playing. I mean, honestly, speaking for myself, I was born in 1972. You know, two years after the after the league merged, uh, I never mm-hmm. saw any of these guys myself. But uh, somebody that is that is interested in learning uh, can indeed find out what they need to find out and, and be able right. to right. educate themselves in a way that they can make an educated decision. So. All right. That's yeah. what, and who wow. else do you think well, the hey, NFL I, should be in? Who else? Oh, boy, there's a lot of guys. Who else, who um, else do you think should be in from, for the AFL? Maxi Bahan. From the AFL. Max, Maxi Bahan would be one. Yeah, for but me. he wasn't an AFL guy. Um, oh, I thought he was. You know, oh, shoot. N- no, uh-uh. Um, well, you know, I'm I mean, not the one with the nickname the... Uh, Mr. AFL, so sorry about that. <laughs> uh, if you want to look at the uh, the Chiefs alone, you know, you've got Johnny Robinson, you've got guys like Otis Taylor, Ed Buddy, Jim yep. Dyer, um, yep. you know, very possibly Gerald Wilson, the punter. Um, yep. You know, if you want to talk about the Chargers, John Hadle is certainly certainly worthy of discussion. Walter right. Sweeney, offensive guard, was phenomenal. Um, you know, if we're talking about the Jets, you've got Winston Hill, the offensive lineman who who was you know protected yep. Joe Namath for so many years. Uh, yep. You know, there's there's any number of guys. There's Lionel Taylor. There's Charlie Hennigan. There's Art Powell. There's Dave Grayson. 
you know, really, there are just so so many would, guys that, say, that at uh, a minimum deserve to be deserve to be really looked at. Todd, what do you say right. to the guys who uh, who are like, well, the AFL was comprised of you know not that many teams, so the talent pool was less. I mean, racking up racking up interceptions you know, and or yardage in a smaller league isn't as, you know, indicative of talent as the NFL. What do you say to that? I mean, I, I think it's crap, but I'm curious. I don't, I don't, I don't even know why, why that would be an argument, honestly. I mean, if you've got, if you've got teams that were AFL teams that were defeating NFL teams, which they, they were in, in preseason yep. and, and later on in postseason games. Um, if you've got, talent in the AFL that was highly sought after as, as draft picks, potential draft picks by the NFL. Um, you know, that, that leads me to believe that, that these guys, you know, were, were good enough to play in the NFL. Um, you know, man for man, exactly across the board, were they equal? Maybe, uh, you know, 60, 61, Maybe not, but by sixty-two, sixty-three, things were things were becoming pretty even. Um, sure, I think sure, that this sure. whole thing could have been put to rest if the Bears and the Chargers had been able to play a you know would-be Super Bowl in 1963, um, yep. because a lot of yep. people think that the Chargers were the first team that that would have defeated an NFL champion. Um, huh. So I, you know, that I don't that. really, I don't really buy into the idea that. Um, that the AFL was an inferior league. I just, I just don't see it. I mean, can you honestly, can you tell me a single no. team in the NFL that would not have benefited from having Lance Allworth or Ernie no, Ladd or not. Buck Buchanan, Bobby Bell, you know, I, and the list goes on and on. Yep. Johnny Robinson. Good point. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Tell Good us, point. Uh, tell Good us a little, tell us a little bit about your, uh, your other website, Tales from the AFL. You know, Tales is something that I started uh, several years ago. Basically, it was – the whole reason that I started that website was because I was building this autographed card collection, and I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, I wanted to be able to share it, share the cards and share my successes and, and things like that. And so I started – I put together this simple website and started writing a handful of articles, and I would illustrate the articles with cards from my collection. And, um, you know, it, it has grown uh, slowly over the years. It's, I've added different pages and, and, and different links and connections and things like that. Uh, I have the vast majority of my signed card collection is, is available to be viewed on that site. Um, and now we're doing things like petitions for Johnny Robinson. So, you know, my goal at this point is to make it the premier – AFL site on the internet and make it a site where really anyone can go to if they want information about this league and these players. And to this point, it's, I think it has become that. I, I still um, I get contacted by different media and, and authors and things like that, people that are looking to do different projects about the AFL and they want to know what kind of information I've got or you know maybe want to talk to me about my thoughts on things. So it's that's what it is. It's it's a it's a site basically to, to make the, uh, sure that this uh, this league and these players are not forgotten. I used to love the articles you'd kick out like once a week. You're really active, you know, like what seven eight years going <laughs> in. My my favorite one of yours was the Ben Davidson article, you know, where you just showed like his helmet, you know, oh, from his yeah. playing yeah. day, yeah. just yeah. how beat yeah. up it was, and Ben Ben Davidson's hands, you know. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's I, I was able to for a while there. I was able to write something every single day of the week, every weekday. Um, and then, of course, the you know the kids get older and the the job responsibilities get more and things like that, and, and you don't have as much time as you used to. But um, I still still try and kick articles out, uh, interesting things. Um, the Ben Davidson one, as well, is one of my personal favorites. Uh, those photos are from the. I believe it was the last time I actually visited with Ben and uh, before he passed away. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just, just, you know, taking a picture of, of this, uh, you know, ancient warrior, if you will, holding on to his, his piece of battle gear. It was, 
I am I am by no means a good photographer, but um, you know you captured, the gods of Nikon were smiling down on me that day. So uh, yeah, I was able to get that. Wow, that was that was you captured good. That moment very well, very well. Thank you. Uh, as far yeah. as as far as back to collecting, Todd, are, mm-hmm. are you looking for any items in particular for your collection? And I'll and I'll just do it as an aside. I've tried to collect the '69. Uh, Chesler Comet Bengals over the years. I start and stop. Mm-hmm. I picked up a handful, a handful at an auction. I'm waiting for them to oh, yeah? get mailed to me now. So um, uh-huh. I, I, I find I always find the handful of AFL regional sets that were out there to be fascinating collection collecting uh, sets, mm-hmm. and I always enjoyed mm-hmm. them. So are you, are you actually looking for anything right now, or, or yeah, you know I'm. I've still got uh I'm down to eight cards I believe it is now to finish my run of signed sets. Uh so wow. I'm I'm obviously actively looking for those. Uh all but one player is deceased and that one that one person apparently is not comfortable with signing through the mail. Um as he's <laughs> he's kept my cards wow. on a handful of occasions wow. that I've I've mailed to him. Um and then I'm I am slowly working on a number of signed regional sets as well. I've got I've got the Tressler Comet set minus I think one card and and I think I've got mm-hmm. about half of those cards signed. Um the Golden Tulip Charger cards from sixty one are the same. Right. Um I'm doing a run of the sixty eight tops test teams, but just the AFL teams and getting a Hall of Famer uh signature on each one of those, um, the tops posters from 68, uh, just the AFL mm-hmm. guys, Milton Bradley's from 67. So yeah, you know what? There's, there's always something that I'm working on. Uh, I, I particularly love the 1964 tops, uh, team cards. And mm-hmm. I've got probably, I don't know, close to, 250 of those signed in, in different ways. Um, wow. I, I absolutely love those things and I get them signed, but I've got them signed by players and coaches and I've got, um, each team, each, you know, each card, uh, signed by the, the majority owner of each team. Uh, I've got a couple of team photographers that signed them, uh, secretary to the coaches. I've got the chargers ball boy from 64 and 65 and, um, you know, just, just really, wow. I love the creativity that those allow in terms of signatures. And, and so anytime I, I find a new player or person, I guess, that was associated with, with the teams in, in that era, uh, I pick up another team card and, and see if they'll sign it for me. Uh, so, you know, really that's, that's kind of my, my niche now and, and what I'm really doing, um, in terms of memorabilia, not so much anymore. Like I said, I've got this one display case sitting next to my desk, and it's full of stuff. Some of it has monetary value. Some of it has absolutely no monetary value, but some, but a lot of sentimental value. Uh, I look at every one of those things every day and, and enjoy them thoroughly. But uh, I'm, I'm trying not to get overloaded. I'm trying to to strike a happy balance with my collection where I've got enough to make myself happy uh, but yep. not too yep. much that I don't enjoy at all. Wow, that's great. I gotta. I want to back up a bit and ask you a question, and this is for my own information. 1961, the Chargers tulip, uh, golden tulip set. In your mm-hmm. opinion, how rare do you? How rare is that actual set? Because over the years, I've probably seen only one or two. Um, you know, physically seen them at a show. Did not pick mm-hmm. them up for whatever reason. And I I, mm-hmm. I I just I, I just feel they're very very rare. They're very very obscure, and only mm-hmm. a handful of people really know about them, one way or the other. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know. So what's your thoughts? They on are. That? They're certainly a difficult a difficult uh, set. They're I would say certainly easier here in San Diego than they are in Wallingford, Connecticut. Um, but <laughs> that being I will, said, I agree with you 110 percent on that. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, you know, we still don't find them on every street corner here in San Diego. Um, I, ha- I had a set at one point. Uh, I, I later sold that set off and, and have just been kind of 
picking up the ones that I know that I can get signed. There are about half of the players mm-hmm. that are still living wow. um, from that set. But I'll tell you what's even more difficult than the than those cards are the premiums that were associated with that set. So okay. I don't know if you're aware of these or not, but there's <clears throat> there's a set of eight by ten premiums, um, one for each player in that set. And and what you had to do was, let's say you wanted the Jack Kemp premium, you had to mail in five of the individual Jack Kemp cards to receive the wow. premium to get the premium. Yeah, 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 and those are those are just ridiculously difficult to find. Super, no, super. No wonder super the cards are no wonder the cards are so rare. People are mailing them. Right, in. right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you 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 take a regional issue for a team that was uh, you know in its in its town for the first year, so there's not going to be a massive distribution to begin with, and then you know you set up a, a system where. If you gather five of the cards, you mail them in, and they're ultimately destroyed so that you can get an 8 by 10 So right. there's right. not a whole right. ton of these things around, you know, regardless yeah. of, of where you live. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, well, yeah. There's, there's, somebody really who worked, there's somebody who worked for, uh, uh, you know, for, for that company who was getting those redemptions, who was shuffling them out of the place in their lunch pail. Uh, <laughs> there's going to be a massive board <laughs> of those pounds one day. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, you know that. To me, that's the fun of that's the fun of collecting, especially the obscure oddball sets, as I refer them to. And yeah. it was interesting mm-hmm. before the show. I I was looking through my notes on the Golden Tulip set, and I always said to myself, I, I I got a couple question marks there. I do have listed. I'm reading it right now. I list about the premium with the big question mark. Now, now you really get mm-hmm. some nice information on it, so now that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. And I and mm-hmm. I always put down with it it's exceptionally rare and i know i've been on a few over the years in in, in auctions and got way outbid mm-hmm. on them type of thing because i i would mm-hmm. be only looking for a um a type card on just to see what it would have physically looked like and it's the same thing with the fairmont chief sets uh you know yeah. Oh, yeah. Milk cartons. How, ma- how many of them are, are out there i know i jeff payne was very gracious and in uh, giving me one one time so i actually had it and then, mm-hmm. again that's another set i've only seen a handful over the years that mostly at nationals, and that's it. You know, at right. a regional show, like you say, yeah. I, I, I will never see it around here. It's got to be, a, you know, right. a dealer out of out of, out of of the area, and he's packed, mm-hmm. he or she is packed with uh, oddball stuff. So. But that's yeah, what I, I, that's I, I want to ask you about that. Mm-hmm. It, is, mm-hmm. it, is, yeah. it always I, was interesting to me. Those Fairmont are one of my, too, because uh, I, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I just had a, a quick question before I wrapped up. You, you go, keep going. People tune in to hear oh, you, I, not I, me. Yeah, we were just talking about the Fairmount Dairy cards, and and I've never even I've never even seen them in person uh, here. I oh, really? one of my collections is I've got a uh, I've got a, a a player collection, a signed player collection of of the cards that were made during Johnny Robinson's career, and <laughs> to my knowledge, those are the only cards that I don't have. Um, and I've never oh, that's interesting. Them. I mean, I've seen I've seen images of them, scans of them, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think that the chances of my adding uh, adding those to actually complete that collection are is going to be slim, slim to none. Yeah, hmm. yeah, they they are hey, they well. are out there from time to time. I know the la- last year's uh, national in Chicago. Um, I forgot which dealer had about three or four of them, of more of the common ones. And he sold them mm-hmm. right away. Uh, and, I'm sure. And I found out about it actually two days after he sold them that he had them. Yeah. So uh, it, was, it was interesting to say the least. Hey Todd, one of my uh, one of my favorite books is uh, Bombs Away that you wrote, and you were gracious enough to give oh, yeah. me an autographed copy with a hundred dollar uh-huh. bill slipped into it. Remember that? <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> no, Todd sent me the book, and I send him a picture with a hundred dollar bill and it saying, man, you'd have to put a hundred dollar bill. And he's like, what are you talking about? You know, I, I just <laughs> took a picture of it with a hundred dollar bill to bug him. It's uh, <laughs> one of those stupid pranks Joe likes to play. <clears throat> Obviously you put a lot of your life into the, uh, you know, into the San Diego chargers, you know, mm-hmm. here they up and mm-hmm. move. They up and move in a not very classy way. Uh, are right. you still a fan or does your, does your fandom with the chargers die when they leave? Uh, so my fandom with the current Chargers died. 
Uh, I I love the uh, love the AFL guys. I love the Coriel guys. But yep. yeah, I, I don't I don't follow the team anymore. Um, you know, I couldn't I couldn't tell you who the starting lineup is. I couldn't tell you I couldn't tell you who their running back is right now. You know, I could I could tell you, you know, Paul Lowe's address and phone number and and what you know what he likes to do on his days off. But I have no idea what's going on with the current guys. Isn't that a shame? You know. Yeah. That's yeah, a shame. It is. Just I think I think One really a, a huge chunk of San Diego feels the exact same way. Um, you know, we we really felt jilted not only that they left, but the way that they did it. Um, yeah, right, right. It just uh, right. you know. So I was remember like twenty years ago. I was a yeah. Baltimore Colts in the middle of the night moved to Indianapolis again, and yeah, uh, you know, or, or the Browns are now the Browns are now the Ravens type of thing. So mm-hmm. it's the same, yeah. same garbage, same garbage. Yeah, yeah, it's tough, yeah. man. I, I I would totally agree with you. I remember like twenty twenty five years, probably longer than that. The Seahawks are being rumored. Hey, if you don't give us a new stadium, we're going to move to L A. I mean, L A. seems to be seems to be the perpetrator here, but. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, yeah. If they leave, I'm done. You know? Yeah, yeah. I will say though that it has made uh, made for some fun uh, collecting uh, bits. Though I've got a I've got a few cards. Um, you know, Lance Allworth signed a card for me that uh, my Chargers are San Diego, not L.A. Lance Allworth and uh, <laughs> Speedy Duncan signed one that said my Chargers don't play in L.A. and uh, nice. <laughs> Paul McGu- Paul McGuire signed a 1960 Fleer. Uh, card for me that says LA didn't want the Chargers in 1960 and they still don't. Uh, so, oh boy! <laughs> wow! Yeah, wow! Been wow. able to add a few little a few little trinkets to the collection based on their move. So, I'm, I'm, one more question here, Todd. You said you took mm-hmm. Tom Flores to get his input on uh-huh. Johnny. Were you and Lance just hot tubbing and you brought the subject up, or did you just call him? <laughs> no, Lance was and actually in Mexico note. at the time. So, <laughs> I thought that we're, we're almost out of time, Todd. I really appreciate you coming back on to the show. Um, I will hey, try to thank you for having me. Try to help you with the Johnny Robinson um, election. I know I've been retweeting you putting that out every day. I got yeah, a you've people been asking me about it. You've been really helpful. And uh, hopefully he'll 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 get on. Todd Tobias. I hope so. Check his website out. Tales from the American Football dot com. Thank you, Todd, for being on. As a reminder, we're sponsored by MSB Sports Cards. Check out their website, MSBSportsCards dot com. And also by BST Auctions, check out their website, bstauctions.com. Joe, we're down to less than two minutes, so we've got to move real quick. Hand it off did, to did you. Did Todd leave? Did Todd no, leave? I'm here. I didn't get a chance to say goodbye. Oh, man. I'm here. Thanks for being on, dude. Todd, All right, my Todd final two minutes. Yep. I just got to say, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. And then you've got people like Todd, who is uh, – what's your – what's what did somebody say about you? You could you could get lost in the forest and you know you 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 come across. <laughs> he could be in the Bosnian. Your... Could be in I could be I could go camping in the forest. Bosnian forest for six months and find an AFL connection. Right. Exactly. Right. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> I am a casual observer in that hobby. Then there's Todd. <laughs> I'm sure he would find that connection wherever it may be. It's just true. You know, it's an amazing story because, again, I feel very strongly the NFL really wants to shut out the history of the American Football League as it's shut out the, as it's shut out the history of the World Football League and the United States Football League and the AA, uh, All-American All Football Conference. You know, they do a mm-hmm. good job of trying to limit ideas and thought, the whole thought process. And it, and it really yeah. annoys the heck out of me, to say the least. The mm-hmm. AFL especially, because again, they merged with them. They are part of the history. That, the 10 years they were in mm-hmm. operation, they were there. There's no ifs, ands, right. or buts about it. And, they, and and it truly bothers me. Alright, Joe, we're down. Uh, we've got seconds left. Any final thoughts? Classy act, class act, Todd. Thank you for coming on, man. Always love talking to you. I mean, whenever, whenever I find, you know, whenever I find myself in Diego, I'm calling you. 
<laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Come down more often. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah, Robert, well, I wife a few seconds. Yeah. few seconds more. And, again, check out Todd's website and sign his petition if you haven't to get Johnny Robinson in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We're almost out of time. I want to thank all our listeners for listening. The spring issue of Gridiron Greats Magazine will be out in the middle of April to the end of April. We're working on it right now. And we'll be back hopefully the end of uh, this month with another show. Thanks for listening. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.